0: Meditation.
1: Meditation. 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 Thinking. Depending, Depending
0: on thinking. the quality thinking. of money. You know, thinking. there's good days thinking. and bad days. And days I mean, I wow. like Sounds. the waterfall of thoughts.
1: <laughs> Every now and then, a nice...
0: Um, um, I can't think of anything.
1: This is Meditation in the City.
0: The Shambhala New York Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City Podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is When Things Fall Apart. In this episode, we discuss a different mentality about things falling apart. What if instead of approaching endings with anxiety and hesitation, we saw them as opportunities to experience brightness, lucidity, and freedom? As things fall apart, new possibilities arise. Today we are joined by Eric Spiegel, Eric has been a student and teacher in Shambhala since the early 1970s. He is a student of both Chagyam Trungpa Rinpoche and Sakyong Mipham Rinpoche. For many years, he held the teaching title Acharya and served as a senior teacher in the New York Shambhala community. In addition to a long career in finance, Eric has engaged in a lifelong contemplation of death having supported many friends and students on the journey of joining illness and death with their spiritual path. This talk was recorded in 2015. Here's Eric to take away the discussion.
0: Everything finishes up. And that's one of the key principles of um, all, all Buddhist teachings, is the, that things that seem solid are actually always impermanent. And from the, from kind of our conventional point of view, we think about, um, we think in this order: we think birth and then death. But from a Buddhist point of view, it's a little bit flipped. It's almost like death and then birth, so that um, it means that the elements kind of. Um, which have arranged themselves in a particular way, say, for this year or for this life or for the particular relationship or a particular meal. So, right, you know, a meal comes together. You sit down, you eat it. Then everyone's finished. And then the dishes go, the scraps go one place, the dishes go somewhere else. And um, people kind of uh, who were sitting together move around and shift. Um... And so that, um, that death, that dissolving, causes an openness. And that openness is the space in which birth can occur, in which possibility and new situation can uh, come into being or come into form. So it's a really different way of thinking about it. It's like we think about death as this incredible loss situation. We think about everything, every time we think about ending, it has a connotation of sadness. But in the, you could say the Asian mentality, that ending is a brightness, it's a lucidity and a freedom and from so for instance yourself <laughs> so you go along day to day and you think you're you like and you think you're there's sort of some kind of continuity there and you think that uh, I'm you know I'm Eric Spiegel and I was Eric Spiegel yesterday I'm Eric Spiegel today I'll be Eric Spiegel tomorrow and we'll keep doing the same thing and we'll somehow people will react to me in the same way but um but if you could let that go for a minute then actually um, there's a lot of freedom in that letting that go there's a lot of play it's not actually like trying to hold on to the Qualities that you think are yourself, and that you self-identify with, and that you want to project out, and that like you know what the reference point is, and you know that people come to you for these things, so therefore you have some credential in some world, and you'd like to find that world. Right? I'm a librarian. I'm a mother. I'm a cook, or I'm generous, or I'm smart, or I'm handsome, or pretty, and. Uh, and so you've sort of defined the reference points and you feel like you can just keep building those reference points that's a pretty small world you've really built up nicely so the idea of this looking at dissolving at the end of things as a potential for the beginning of things is that your world could actually be much bigger than it is your idea about yourself could be more dance rather than um, get up, wash your face, put on your clothes, and go to the office. It could actually be play, like in the sense of energy uh, exchanging, energy moving, that things come into your view, into your sphere, and you engage with them. And sometimes it's... uh, Touch and let go, and other times there's connection, and sometimes that connection is deeper, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, you know, things mean something, sometimes things mean something and have depth, and sometimes they're just very surface, Uh, kind of like at our thoughts. That sometimes our thoughts are very just running, moving, you know, and other times, think we. There's actually a sense of going deeper. Um, And somehow all of this really depends and relies on this quality of the enlightened attitude. That there has to be this sense of shift away from uh, just trying to hold on to yourself, hold on to your uh, possessions of your ego or your um, <clears throat> credential, that there has to be an a acknowledgement. So that sense of the enlightened attitude, that sense of uh, generosity and uh, radiance or joy... Um, very much is tied into this idea of understanding impermanence. And that literally really means, like, understanding our own impermanence and and the impermanence of situations. So that when we look at relationships, for instance, you know, like everyone who gets married thinks we're going to try to stay, we're going to come together in this... uh, binary situation and we're just we're going to try to like maneuver through our life in like binariness and and um and but if you've ever noticed relationships they don't actually do that <laughs> and sometimes they don't do they don't even do that they kind of do that and other times when they do actually manage to m- Uh, evolve over time over decades Um, with any hope, with any good fortune they evolve in a sense of friendship and continual evolution and not this sense of like where I'm the dad and you're the mom or I'm the mom and you're the mom or whatever you know and and um, um, so there has to be so even within that evolution, there's a sense of continual acknowledgement of impermanence, of that the ground is always shifting, that things are always ending, which is creating space for things to be re- reborn, to be to arise and. Uh, <coughs> For elements, um, to acknowledge the continual shifting of elements, okay, so you could even, like looking at something very structured, like a building, you know, you look at the building, and the building, this building's probably been here now for close to 100 years. And, um, and, <clears throat> and to some degree, it's maintained a sense of identity. Except that in the nineteen years we've been in this building, the elevators have been done redone the lobbies have been redone the windows have not in the back because um, in the front the windows have been redone um, probably over time just about every single thing in this building has been replaced at some point <laughs> and uh, every and the electricity and the, heat, the heating system has all been uh, taken apart and put back together at various points, and so there's a sense of uh, maintaining some kind of formal identity, and at the same time, um, continual uh, refreshing. So I just thought that the end of the year was a really good time to just kind of talk, point to this and that we could contemplate it and that um, you could take it home with you and tomorrow you could wake up and think, oh, today's a neutral day. (laughs) Like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) And so... (laughs) You know, really, like, in America or in the modern world, like, that has no place that doesn't reside anywhere. And yet it's this really, like, half the universe, half the world uh, historically has thought this way, that there's a neutral day, that there's, like, a time, uh, like, things subside, and then we let them rest for a moment and then they can arise again in some new pattern. And so, you know, the I don't, I'm not particularly an expert about um, Chinese, Asian astrology, you know, but this was the year of the horse, so the horse has, like, a very, like... M- Forward-moving dynamic energy, and my year has been extraordinarily. Like I just realized, like yesterday. Oh my God! I've had like the most horse-like year of uh, my kind of career, so having a resurgence and sort of taking off, and that I work all the time now, and 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 it's rewarding. I'm not. I'm, I ain't complaining. So. Um, and yet, here we're entering into a sheep year. And in fact, you know, it's like if it were a horse year, I don't think I would survive another year like that. And so, so, um, so, and sheep, my image of sheep is like like really sweet. May, they may be stupid, I don't really know. But they're very, they, I always, whenever I see sheep, I want to touch them. I just want to touch them. I like think that they're so... Fabulous and um, and um, sort of their existence is very comforting to me and uh, when so um, anyway, so it's just interesting to contemplate like where you've come from, where you are now, and where you're going, and that's the significance of the new year. and so we already had a new year a few weeks ago, six, seven six weeks ago. And uh, maybe you did that kind of contemplation at the New Year, but it's not really built into the Western New Year format in the way it is in the Asian New Year format. In the Asian New Year format, that's really what it is. It's really about acknowledging time passing and change, And uh, whereas in the new Western New Year, it's really about having a party so um, so I think I've said my little piece here tonight, and if you have any questions, we don't have, apparently the "on" button broke on the court wireless mic, so you will have to speak up, and if I need to, I'll repeat your questions or comments. Oh, (laughs) you're obviously referring to the beheadings. (laughs) That was a joke. Your name is? Carolyn. Carolyn said, do you feel that the general level of consciousness in the world is getting more connected? I feel that it's, uh, you could say it's all over the place. I feel like um, things are... Uh, rising and falling simultaneously in kind of uh, very dramatic ways. That I think that the, the crises that exist point to obviously a lot of suffering in the world and, a lot of, uh, and give rise to a lot of fear, and at the same time um, cause a lot of people to really look directly at what's happening, and particularly in terms of climate, I feel that the climate issue is um, uh, is in a way that we have been able for a century and maybe forever to kind of take things for granted. That people are that people are really they're experiencing things really personally. Uh, just you know, like sh- people. Did during Sandy, you know, in Lower Manhattan or on Staten Island or in New Jersey or Long Island, so or all the way up, you know, up the Hudson and <clears throat> uh, all, you know, just that incredible push of water, and uh, and uh, and many other, you know. Fukushima and um, droughts and so on and I don't know everyone if you saw the article of the in today's paper Brazil made the front page because water is actually drying up in Sao Paulo which is one of you know a city of many millions and people is actually running out of water so because of Drought and poor management, you know. So I think that that's a that is both a devastation, and also um, is both now really causing people to start to become aware. And um, unfortunately, it will probably also cause a lot of suffering to not just the human species but others. So, so I feel like the. The collective level of consciousness and unconsciousness are they somehow there's like a dance going on between them of like where both the ignorance and the wisdom are, crescent, are, are both gaining strength simultaneously. That's what I think, if I have anything to say about it. Kind of crazy horse, <clears throat> try and ground it. Try and slow it down. He said, Christopher said, um, if you're, I, you know, he referred to my comment about my year of the horse, and he said, well, if you had kind of a crazy horse going year, what would your advice be? And it would just be really try to, you know, I think there's a sense of, Oh, we could keep going forever at some pace, but in fact, you know, you can't, and um, and you, things um, spiral out of control. Like the, they may be able to move, like uh, an athlete, for instance. You know, um, <clears throat> has to also everything has to be nurtured as well you can't just be expending energy you have to kind of have time where you collect and regroup and and take stock and so you know so I think that's really important that and sometimes you have to like for me personally I've just done that I've actually like um I generally teach about 20 weekends a year and I uh, wrote my teacher, Sakyong Mipam, the other day and said that that for this next year, I'm not going to take any teaching assignments that aren't in New York City. I'm only going to work with this community as we go through it, whatever change we go through. And I'm going to just focus on this that I need to feel really feel like I have I know where my... So that's kind of what that is. That's part of uh, the same quality of that. Oh, it'd be great. You know, I, oh, I could go to... You know, two years ago I was in Chile, and before that Madrid, and and West Coast, and up in North and South, and East and West, and and uh, and that's a lot of fun. But I actually feel like uh, I need to kind of settle, and it just happens that it this is the moment when I felt like I really need to acknowledge that, you know. So. So there might be different ways, depending on what your situation is, that you have to think about ways that you could uh, set better boundaries and clarification so that you know what your limits are. Um, Yes. And what is your name? I'm Sean. Hi, Sean. Uh, So I'm new to learning about Buddhism. Yes. So Shambhala. The question was just like um, being new to Buddhism. What uh, what what's happening here? That's the same or different than what's happening in other Buddhist realms? So um, it is actually quite different. Shambhala, uh, particularly the the meaning of Shambhala, really is about being in the world. So a lot of times historically Buddhism was taught as kind of a retreat, a monastic or retreat um, thing. But we're in a very different time. We're in a time where we don't live like if in Tibet for 1,300 years in Tibet the whole the whole nation of very large piece of Asia. Um, the whole culture focused around the monasteries, so children went into the monasteries at very young age. That was considered a good thing, like uh, not an orphanage, but a good thing. And then the community supported the monasteries, and the great wisdom holders uh, can bestow blessings, and so there was a sense of exchange of generosity, from um, of <clears throat> support and of. Uh, Richness, sort of spiritual richness, coming back in a sense of real, um, and that does not exist anymore anywhere, you know, except very maybe small pockets. It doesn't exist in the West, in the in the sense of the Catholic and Christian churches. Um, it doesn't exist in the Eastern Europe Jewish shtetls, you know. Just doesn't exist in the modern era anymore, and it doesn't exist in the in most in the Asian countries, which are all, um, you know. I mean, and it's not really a matter of East and West; it's really a matter of old and new. So the teaching in Shambhala is really about how you can both gain your center through meditation and contemplation and study and use that to actually be a real person in the world, like a genuine, be not a monk or a nun, but be, we say, warrior, like someone who takes their heart and brings it into the world and isn't afraid, That not afraid because they know how strong their heart is. So, um, so... Um, it's really about like bringing developing your, through meditation and contemplation, developing your core and then finding ways small and large to be a real human being, all the qualities of human being, of uh, s- strength and gentleness and intelligence. That's what we do. So it's a little bit untraditional here, and uh, you know we teach the traditional stuff, but we teach it within a framework that was um, taught by this gentleman initially, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, who really began the Shambhala teachings when he saw he he. When Tibet fell and he and many of his brother brother, lamas and monks and very, very esteemed lamas, um, he saw people trying to recreate Tibet in Europe and in other places, India and Europe and other places. And he just, uh, that's not the message I'm getting from what just happened. You know, like the whole country just got like blown apart. And he's saying that this is like the message that the dharma goes out into the world now. And so so he only taught in the, he taught primarily in, in English, but all of the, all, like if you study in Shambhala in France or you study in Shambhala in Spain or South Latin America, you study in the native languages of the people of Europe, Of your culture, rather than that you study Tibetan. (laughs) So yes. So um, and please. Yes. And your name is Haley. Haley, Hello. Greetings. Yeah, well, I'm not saying exactly that you go in and you suddenly are try to you say, oh, now my name is Jane and I'm <laughs> my hair is blue and whatever you know. I'm just saying, be fresh, be new, not be just be just be willing to have a sense of humor and be uh, spontaneous and but again, because it's coming. It's blended with this idea of the enlightened attitude of like actually open, so maybe it means that you take a moment and you remember that, and then the and then you see if there's any anything you could add that would be different than what you would have added if you hadn't just done that, just taken that moment to like think about what it means to. Be, um, I just feel that there's so much not taught in our culture about how to actually be decent about how the importance of decency the importance of being caring we're so caught up in uh, competition and, and uh, performance so I feel like um, and I think you can be really, you can excel at everything that you do. It, but also be respectful to your humanity and the humanity of others and also the environment. So I don't have any like do this, this, this and this list just kind of a sense of contemplate these things and then see how they play out. See if you can explore that. Sure. Yes, um, I was just wondering about uh, when things actually do begin to fall apart or dissolve. Yes. That sort of inevitable um, grasping or feeling. Yes. Or- What was the last sentence? What? Transforming it. We're yeah. Well, I think it's like, um. <clears throat> you have to pay attention, you know. You have to see. Sometimes you can do things to hold. Sometimes it's useful, not just to let things fall apart, but to try and continue to work with them. Like, um like if you get diagnosed with an illness say cancer or heart disease you know you don't just say okay well i'm going to die and just sort of go lie down and wait you know but then at the same time sometimes people fight you know and then there's a point where all their energy is just fighting their illness rather than living their lives and so maybe there's a balance where there's a point where you have to kind of let go and actually appreciate the dissolving and appreciate the end and take time to say goodbye to people and um and similarly you know sometimes things change in your workspace your career or your job and uh either for various reasons you are no longer at the cutting edge you're not in the front or uh the personalities change, and you don't exactly feel right there, and so you can take you can work on figuring that out for you know. And but then at a certain point, you know. So Leslie Gore just died. So I actually I knew Leslie Gore in the uh, '90s, '80s and '90s, and and um, you know, it's my party. So um, and um, every time. She was part of a group of friends, sort of uh, gay and lesbian friends, and we were she, we'd always be at several times a year. We'd be at parties together, and she always sang two or three of her two or three songs. And um, and I'm sorry to say, I'm not saying, trying to say anything particularly bad about Leslie Gore, but I felt I always felt like there she, she like I was listening to a. Kind of a you know a, a piece about her on Morning Edition this morning, and and it was a really nice piece, and I thought it was really respectful, and it both said you know you gotta sing what they want you to sing, you can't it wouldn't people are coming you know, but it was sort of always funny. It was like she, from my point of view, not really knowing her other than in that environment. It's like well we it's always the same thing but um, time had moved on in some way you know and you know and I understand she also did other things in her career and she had others, other records and she wrote songs that for other people there were hits but I wasn't really aware of that I always kind of just saw the one thing and so it was sort of a funny um, you know that's just I feel like yeah. finding the way and there's no no ingredient for that. So, one of the things, I guess, I think I'm going to close with this on the teachings on death and on the teachings on impermanence, change until you actually become an awakened, real, an enlightened being, if such a thing exists, until you actually get like really somewhere on that journey. Change is hard. <laughs> and um, so it's a matter of recognizing it and trying to relax and have a sense of humor. So it's just the same about aging, you know. You're not going to not age, you know, unless you die first. So, right? So you're not going to not age. And. So, <laughs> Was that a joke? (laughs) So, um, and it's not really going to be pretty. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, you can put your best face on, but also you kind of have to have a sense of humor about it. Like, when you're hair starts to turn gray you can pluck out the silver hairs but at some point that's not going to work anymore so <laughs> so um, you know I think it's all, that's the thing there's no you just, you have to have a sense of humor you have to have a, a way to see it recognize the pain of change and then try to Relax and enjoy the ride.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, we invite you to leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. Shambala NYC also offers a variety of meditation courses for meditators of all levels. Check out our upcoming programs at shambalanyc.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.